Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! As I put my Larry Johnson autograph up on the camera, I just had a thought. I was wondering, I know I know, kids still play video games, obviously. They probably play more video games than ever. Do kids still do, like, the dynasty mode, like the seasons on there, or do they just all play online? I don't know. I, I was just thinking about when college NCAA college football was at its height, and, and they stopped producing the game about 10 years ago, but mid-2000s, like, when the... PlayStation 3 came out or the Xbox, like the first Xbox 360 came out. Those games were so sweet because they were so much more advanced. Now the games get better every year, but it's only like incrementally. The jump when the Xbox 360 came out was crazy. And I remember playing NCAA 2004 and Larry Johnson for Penn State. I loved Penn State as a kid. And Larry Johnson was just the dude in that game. And I remember just setting all the records and just thinking I was so cool back then. Do kids still do that? Do they still do the dynasty? There's like online dynasty modes now, right? Yeah, they. I don't think they do it as much. It'll be interesting to see if the, the resurrected college football game coming out next year is going to lead to <laughs> yeah, right. sort of the resurrection of that. Because I think the college games give you the opportunity to build a dynasty in a unique way. Totally. Duan is now ESPN Radio. Thanks so much for tuning in. Tavon Dodd, who was a kid who played running back at Montana State, he had kind of an injury-riddled career, but I don't know, sometimes you start following these guys on social media, and then they're pretty entertaining, and then here we are, you know, years later. I, I only reference him because the other day he posted on his Instagram story, there is actually an ending to the Dynasty Mode on NCAA 2013. If you play 75 seasons... 
you can get to the end. It tells you, you won. You completed the game. And he was like, put it on his Instagram story. He's like, man, I've been working on this for 10 years. Got 75 seasons in. It's like, man, that's a, that's a lot of dedication. Anyways, there's my complete derailment of the show two minutes into the show. <laughs> Welcome in. Hopefully you're having a great Wednesday. I'm having a great time on this side of things. All FCS playoffs plus some Grizz hockey here today on Nuanas. Now we'll get things kicked off with Sam Herter from Hero Sports. He's our national FCS analyst and uh, the senior FCS analyst at Hero Sports and Bet MGM. He joins us each Wednesday here on Nuanas. Now we'll skip from Brody Greeby. He's a junior All Big Sky defensive end out of Melstone, Montana. The Melstone Cowboy is what we call him, and uh, he's a Montana State standout. He'll join us about 4:30. We also have Mike Anderson. The uh, head coach of the Grizz hockey team coming on. Grizz hockey back in town after several weeks on the road. They'll have Eastern Washington in town for a double dip on Friday and Saturday. So we'll talk about that as well. Our number two, a guy I've actually wanted to connect with for a while and happy that he's coming in studio. It's former Grizz wide receiver and longtime uh, Grizz radio color commentator, Scott Guernsey. I grew up listening to Guernsey on the radio. He was uh, Mick Colleen's right-hand man, and then he's been... Uh, on the pre- and post-game show for a long time. He stepped away from the radio booth because his son, Cameron, is now playing uh, for the Montana Grizzlies. So I think he wanted to just, you know, be along for the ride, just be a dad and, and not have to be involved in the game day other than just cheering from the stands. But Gerns uh, was also on the 1993 Grizz team that lost to Delaware. So we're going to rehash more than just the, the you know, the, the heartbreaking loss that day. But Gerns had a great day that day. Scott Gerns, scored uh, two touchdowns, part of an offensively prolific day for the Grizz. They scored 48 points that afternoon, but they lost 49-48. The tie here is that Delaware, for the first time in 30 years, and only the second time these two programs have ever met, the Blue Hens come back to Missoula this Saturday. So uh, Scott Gerns will be in studio with us for our ESPN roundtable at uh, the top of the hour, 5 o'clock. And then uh, 5.30, we'll keep talking FCS playoffs, both Delaware and North Dakota State. And we'll also hear from the Big Sky Newcomer of the Year. He's cooler than cool. Clifton McDowell will join us to talk about his great season, where Montana was able to turn the corner offensively, and uh, some more thoughts on what's upcoming with the uh, Delaware Blue Hens uh, coming to town. So there you go. That's your show outlook here on Nuanas Now. You can always stream 1029ESPN.com or on the ESPN MT app. You can always watch us on television on SWX Montana TV. And you can always, uh, of course, tune in on the radio, 102.9 ESPN Radio around Western Montana. If you want to be a part of the show, you have questions, comments, memories, uh, anything in between, uh, please call or text. Text is the easiest way to do it, especially because we have so many guests today. 406-888-1029. That's 888 888- 1029, and all guests will join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line 888-1029. Remember it when I prompt you. We're going to give you some free wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. We're going to give you some Grizz football tickets to this playoff game on Saturday. And uh, if you want to be a part of the conversation otherwise, 406-888-1029. All guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line, which is where we go right now. Welcome in. Friend of the show, guy that leads the show with us every Wednesday, Sam Herter from Hero Sports. Sam, thanks for joining us, man. How you doing? Doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, first of all, just what'd you think of the first round of the FCS playoffs? It was fun watching all the way around the country. I have all sorts of opinions, both 
uh, good and cynical because, of course, I do. But uh, what'd you think? What'd you think of just the uh, the first eight games of uh, the postseason here at the SAS level? Yeah, I thought it was fun. Um, you know, I, I get the uh, you know the, the cynical part of it. I know where you're getting at uh, with that. I understand it. Um, I, I do still think the first round of the FCS playoffs is fun because, um, yeah, you know the the attendances are always really bad. You know, in the first round and. and most of these teams, 99% of these teams, aren't going to go on and win a national championship or anything like that. But it's still fun to see, you know, these teams compete. You know, you know, you look at a program like Mercer. I mean, them making the FCS playoffs and them winning, you know, one FCS playoff game before going to South Dakota State. I mean, that's kind of equivalent to, you know, a Big Sky team making the men's, you know, NCAA tournament. And, you know, if they win a game, you know, that's a huge thing for their program. Um, so that's kind of the, the, the case with a program uh, like Mercer. And so uh, a lot of these teams are, you know, kind of, I don't want to say they're just happy to be there because they want to win games, but, you know, for them, just making the playoffs, winning one game. Um, you know, I know in, in Montana territory, it's it's all about making the semifinals and making the national title game. But right. for some of these, uh, you know, winning the game in the FCS playoffs is a huge step for, for their program. Is there... Is there any scenario in the near future in which uh, uh, one of these teams that's not from one of the power conferences that is playing in the first round actually makes a run? Or, or is it sort of just getting into the, the round of 16 or, or maybe even the quarters? That's kind of the, the peak of it all. Yeah, I mean, the Holy Cross uh, last year out of the Patriot League, um, I mean, they made a good run. Uh, they made a run to the quarterfinals. Um, and there's been a couple of, of, of Patriot League teams, you know, uh, Colgate uh, a couple of times has made a run to the quarterfinals. Um, and so it is possible for some of these leagues, but like the Pioneer Football League, um, you know, unless you're San Diego playing, you know, a big sky, a certain big sky team, <laughs> right. you're, probably, you're probably not going to make it past the second round. Uh, you know, or, you know, that's, that's a non-scholarship league, you know, rarely going to make it past the first round. Uh, the NEC is only, I want to say 30 something scholarships. And so a happy amount is, is everyone else. Um, until the NEC is rarely going to make a run. I know Duquesne beat a CAA team a few years ago. So every now and then, um, I don't know if you want to call them a Cinderella story, but, you know, every now and then they'll get a, um, a win here or there. But, you know, that's just kind of the NCAA model. Um, you know, any anyone uh, that kind of fits the criteria um, has enough memberships, they're going to get in, uh, they're going to get AQ access uh, into into the playoffs, no matter if it's basketball or volleyball or the FCS playoffs. And so that's why we see uh, some of these leagues get into the playoffs, even though they are certainly not one of the 24 best teams in the FCS. Well, there's that for the cynical part. Now let's talk about the good parts. I, unsurprisingly, <laughs> I thought the, uh, the, the best game was the game that featured two power conference teams and that's Sacramento state playing at North Dakota. And it was, it was back and forth, even though Sac state was largely in control. They were up 28, 14 at half. Then North Dakota dominated the third quarter and came back and tied it. Then it was back and forth. But even though the, the momentum swung within that game, Sac state never really fully lost grip. And then they were able to finish it off. And, uh, I, mean, I thought that's a heck of a win, honestly, especially considering the way SAC kind of faded down the stretch of the regular season. I know North Dakota's been up and down. They had the high water mark with the win over North Dakota State and then kind of stubbed their toe a couple times down the stretch, and that probably cost them a seed. But still, the Alara Center is a tough place to play. So what would you think of just SAC State going in there? I mean, that, that's a that's a big win for their program just because of the, the narrative around SAC State football that they just haven't been able to get it done in the playoffs. So to go on the road, win in a hostile environment, pretty good. Yeah, that was a heck of a win for Sac State, and it was a, a kind of a tough 
game going into it to get a feel for what was going to happen. Um, now, th- there's no doubt in my mind that Sac State was and is the more talented team uh, than UND. I mean, you could tell that when, when some of their guys got out in space. Uh, some of these uh, UND defenders just didn't have a chance to, to, to bring these guys down. And so, you know, I kind of knew Sac State was the more talented team, but, you know, UND plays so well at home. Uh, Sac State seemed to um, be sliding in, into the FCS playoffs, to, to, to you know, put it lightly. Um, I didn't know, like, how much momentum Sac State was going to bring um, into that game. I didn't know how much juice they were going to bring into that game, if they were just going to, you know, maybe, you know, go there, try to compete, and if they lose, if they lose, whatever. But, you know, those, those players certainly felt uh, very motiva- uh, motivated. Um, and, you know, Caden Bennett played really, really well. Um, you know, I, I was high on Caden Bennett for most of this year. I was kind of scratching my head why Sac State went to Conklin a little bit during the season, but, you know, he, he really took it to UND, and I think he's a fantastic quarterback, and I thought maybe Sac State should have stuck with him the entire year, um, but it seems like he's their guy now, and now they go to a USD team that is, uh, you know, pretty good, but, you know, not a juggernaut, so that could be another close game. I, I totally agree with you. Sam Herder, Hero Sports, joining us here on Nuan is now on ESPN Radio. The Bennett is a great He's a great athlete, first of all. I mean, Andy Thompson told me he's the fastest guy on Sacramento State. That's saying something because they got a lot of speed on that team. He's also one of those guys where he's even more fast in games, right? Like his his ability to improvise and his ability to sort of play with his smooth style, is uh, it's accentuated on Saturdays. Then you couple in the fact that he is an improvisational kind of uh you know, ad lib type quarterback, right? I mean, he's like Lamar Jackson light kind of, you know, and guys like that, it always seems like they're better when they're in the rhythm of the game, when they can see the different fronts and the different coverages and they can check here and, and move there and throw here and run there. And uh, I totally agree. I thought Bennett looked lights out. I mean, he had uh, multiple uh, passing touchdowns, had a rushing touchdown, rushed for over hundred yards, threw for over 200. So uh, he was really, really impressive. And, uh, I think sticking with him and letting him find flow, I think that's a good adjustment. And I also think it's a great, you know, we talked about Sac State sort of fading down the stretch. And, you know, he lost to Montana State. They lost to Montana. Then they lost to UC Davis. To be able to go through that and then have the adversity of having to go on the road and be able to bounce back, I just think it's it's good for their program moving forward. So, I mean, give us the the scout in Vermillion. I mean, uh, South Dakota State, or South Dakota, excuse me, certainly – Deserving of the number three seed, given the wins that they had on their schedule, but that you know they only beat UND by I think it was fourteen to ten. They beat North Dakota State twenty four nineteen. So you're talking like nine points between being nine and two and seven and four, maybe having to play in the first round. So uh, tell us about South Dakota and also what we think of this matchup against Sac State on Saturday. Yeah, and the Yotes had a, uh, I believe it was a one-score win over Youngstown State, and I believe in, even Indiana State, uh, they had a, it was like a seven or ten-point win, and so that's why, you know, it's it seems like, I know we'll talk about Montana State NDSU later on most likely, but it seems like whoever wins uh, the game in Bozeman, a lot of people are kind of penciling, you know, they're going to go there and beat USD or maybe host Sac State and win there, and whoever wins in Bozeman is going to go on uh, to the semifinals because it, it doesn't seem like, even though South Dakota is, uh, is the three seed, and if things go chalk, they would obviously advance to the semifinals. It doesn't. I haven't seen a whole lot of brackets with USD um, in the semifinals, and maybe a part of that is because while they have a great record, they have uh, four ranked wins, uh, three wins over, over over teams that were ranked in the top ten. They haven't, you know, necessarily dominated uh, a lot of opponents, um, and so that's why I think this is going to be uh, a really close game. And uh, USD plays uh, really good defense. 
Um, I think their offense is a bit up and down. Um, they're capable of scoring big, but you know, I think it's one of those games where, you know, is Sac State going to go and, and score 42 points at USD? Probably not, but if Sac State can get to 28 points, can USD score 28 points or 29 points, I guess, on a Sac State defense that's, you know, not great, but it's not bad. I think that's, that's going to be the difference maker here is how South Dakota's offense plays against Sac State's uh, defense. Any other surprises uh, in the first round? I mean, Mercer, like you said, that's kind of a high watermark for for their program. Did I mean uh, to me the the Missouri Valley teams like Youngstown State, Southern Illinois, then moving on. That was North Dakota State. That was that was no surprise. I thought that was going to just go chalk. Uh, Delaware struggled with Lafayette was a little surprising to me. What did you think of just some of the other first round results? There was there any that stood out that was maybe not what you expected? Yeah, I don't know if there was any. Any surprise uh, per se, you know, Lafayette was, was up big on Delaware, and that would have been, if that result or that lead for Lafayette would have held, that certainly would, would have been a uh, surprise, but Delaware came back and won there. Uh, you know, NC Central was up big on Richmond, uh, then the Spiders came back and got a win there. Um, you know, it's maybe the the biggest quote-unquote surprise was Chattanooga beating Austin P just because it felt like a lot of people were picking Austin P yeah. uh, to win that one. You know, the Govs felt like they, they should have been a seed. Chattanooga was the last team to got, that got into the uh, the FCS playoff. You know, I and many others felt that maybe UC Davis should have been in instead of Chattanooga, but, you know, the mocks go to Austin P and get a win on a game-winning field goal. So I thought that was, um, again, maybe not surprising of a result, but, but one that, uh, you know, maybe not a whole lot of people were, were picking. On the UC Davis note, Andrew and I were talking about this yesterday. If you're Davis... How frustrated were you on Saturday watching some of the action? Because I, I just thought there was some really good games. Like the Chattanooga Austin P game came down to a, a last-second field goal. But all I kept thinking while I was watching that game was, well, this is a fun game, but also UC Davis is way better than these teams. And I thought that several times while watching the first round. I mean, how, how big of a – after watching Saturday's first round, how big of, of a case do you think Davis uh, affirmed themselves as having? Yeah, I think UC Davis would have won uh, – Several, or they, they would have beaten uh, several teams that played in the first round, um, and so uh, you know I don't know. It, it kind of seems like you know talking about Dan Hawkins. It seems like you know his uh, him stepping down, retiring, whatever you want to call it, was was maybe in the works for a little bit. But I also do wonder if just these last couple of seasons were, were very taxing uh, for Coach Hawkins and for sure. kind of exhausting. And maybe this was, you know, I don't want to speculate. I'm not saying this is what caused the retirement or anything like that, but I'm sure it had to have been. Uh, just a gut punch for the for the program as a whole these last two years to be left out and then seeing you know some of these results watching some of these games saying hey we we should we should still be playing football uh, right now as a team because we're better than you know some of the teams that we that we were watching in the first round. Sam Herder, Hero Sports, joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app, talking all things FCS playoffs as we dive in now to the second round of the uh, 24, which is now 16 team tournament. Last thing I'll say about UC Davis is, I, I said this yesterday, but I'll repeat myself. Regardless of, of how much the, the playoff snubs the last two years contributed to Dan Hawkins deciding that uh, he was going to move on into a different, uh, different realm of his life, um, it is unfortunate that on the resume, it's not you know four playoff appearances in you know six or seven years or whatever it was there at Davis for Dan Hawkins instead of just two. They should have at least one more, if not two more, and uh, either way, though, I do think that Davis has been a solid to good uh, Big Sky and, and FCS program. And I think that, uh, you know, if the uh, 
The speculation that Tim Plow's the next guy there, I think that uh, that'll be a good hire. But I also think that Davis has always made good hires. they got a great coaching tree, and they've always had a solid program. And, and I think Hawkins helped them level up to become a, a legitimate, can't say national title contender, but certainly nationally relevant program. So uh, good for him, and I think UC Davis is going to be just fine. Uh, in the future. All right, let's break down these uh, first-round match or these second-round matchups, excuse me, Sam. Uh, we talked about Sac State, South Dakota. Uh, Mercer, South Dakota State, I mean, that just seems like a nice little tune-up for, for the Jacks. There's no there's no way that one's a competitive one, right? No, it should be uh, the, the most decisive uh, game in the second round here. And, you know, I saw that South Dakota State is, uh, you know, closing in on being a 30 or 32-point favorite in this one, which has to be the biggest spread uh, for a second-round FCS playoff game in quite some time. And so uh, Mercer has some individual talents here, uh, here or there, uh, you know, some good, uh, good receivers, a really good safety in Lance Weiss. But uh, the play in the trenches here is just going to be, uh, you know, way too much. South Coast State is just going to be so much better in the trenches than Mercer. Youngstown State, Villanova. I think that's an interesting one. Villanova's pretty good on defense. I watched the Villanova-Delaware game back. And, uh, I mean, grain of salt because Delaware's top two quarterbacks got knocked out on back-to-back series. But I did think Villanova looked uh, pretty good, athletic, physical, defensively, and uh, they got some talent on offense. So uh, what do we think of that one, though? Because, I mean, Youngstown State, was uh, they, they looked great in the first round. It was not really a, a tough matchup. But um, that, that's an interesting one with uh, Missouri Valley team on the road uh, against the Villanova team that's had success in the past. What do we think of that game? Yeah, I think this is going to be a hard-nosed physical battle. You know, for how much you know, I guess flack we give the CAA, uh, they are a, a you know a black and blue type type of league. They're not finesse. Yeah. They they, yep. they do want to play a physical brand of football, and a lot of that has to do with you know the kids they recruit. You know, hard-nosed East East Coast kids, and also you know the weather plays a factor um, in that as well. And so Villanova, I think, plays a physical brand of football. Youngstown State also wants to be physical. Um, I still don't know which way I'm kind of leaning uh, on this one. It wouldn't be a surprise at all for me to see Youngstown State win. But I do think Villanova is built, you know, pretty well. Uh, you know, they're usually pretty big and physical uh, in, in the trenches. And so uh, this is certainly one of the more intriguing ones for me. How about the two that are just conference games, basically? Richmond at uh, number 5U Albany and uh, Chattanooga at number 7 Furman. First of all, that part's kind of frustrating to me. We were talking about this yesterday. It seems as if they should just seed all the teams or, or seed as many of the teams as you can because there's a lot of these games that are like a seeded team versus a non-seeded team that would probably be, like North Coast State probably would be like, what, the 9 seed or the 10 seed? So it's 6 versus 10. It just seems like there's not a lot of equity in these matchups when you prioritize regionalization. And then you also get these conference rematches like Richmond at Albany and Chattanooga at Furman. Yeah, and hopefully that changes next year. Um, there, were, there was a push to seed 16 teams in the 2014 okay. bracket this year. Um, it, it got you know multiple necessary approvals until it got to a budget approval. Um, in the NCAA, overall revenue was flat uh, this year, but they expect to have more revenue uh, to use next year, partially due to a TV deal. And so uh, they do hope to push 16 uh, to seed 16 teams. They hope to push that over the over the finish line, which would essentially be you know you seed teams one through eight like usual. They get a first round buy. Then seeds nine through sixteen automatically host in the first round. Sure. So you don't have to worry about bid versus bid. And then they play a pool, um, you know, of teams seventeen through twenty-four. And then you know the, the number one seed gets paired up with that same pause, the sixteen seed, all the way down to the eight playing the nine. And so you won't see like Montana State versus NDSU is not that should not be a second round matchup because these are the 
the, the fourth and fifth best teams playing you know, <laughs> the EF. Yeah. Right. But uh, yeah, yeah, these two conference matchups it would be interesting. You know, I like you Albany and how they're built. I think they have a really good front seven. Um, and then Furman, you know, and Chattanooga. You know, Furman is getting a couple of their guys back. Starting quarterback Tyler Huff is coming back. Dominic Roberto, they're starting running back. He's coming back. Meanwhile, on the flip side, Chattanooga starting quarterback. Uh, Chase Artopius, he, he sounds like he's not going to play. Uh, Jay Person is a really good defensive end for Chattanooga. He had his arm in a sling last week against Austin P. And so um, even at full health, I probably would have leaned Furman. But, you know, w- with these injuries and guys coming back from injury, uh, it seems like Furman has the upper hand here. Sam Herter, Hero Sports here on Nuanas Now. Here, here is the just in-order uh, matchups. Mercer's at number one, South Dakota State. Youngstown State's at number eight, Villanova. Richmond at number five, U Albany. Southern Illinois at number four, Idaho. Sac State at number three, South Dakota. North Dakota State at number six, Montana State. Chattanooga at number seven, Furman. And then Delaware in Missoula against number two, Montana. Uh, before we, I just ask you about the specific games, I'm just going to ask you what you think, because I think this is going to lead us to talk about at least one, if not two of these games. Uh, first question, who do you think got the worst draw among the uh, the top seeds? Um, probably, I think you do have to go with, uh, with Montana state. That's what I thought. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's South Dakota probably isn't happy with their draw. Furman's probably, probably not happy, uh, with their draw. Um, you know, honestly, the number one and number two seeds are probably the most happy <laughs> with their draw. For which sure. does make sense. You kind of want that, but, uh, yeah, I think Montana state had to have been thrilled with the number six seed. You know, I, I thought the Bobcats were deserving of a seed, but I thought that would have been the number eight seed. And so when they sure. saw their name pop up is the six seed, probably happy. But when they saw that matchup against, you know, North Dakota States uh, versus Drake, uh, I assume the coaches did not watch any film <laughs> during the bye week on Drake and they just watched film on the Bison. I mean, Brett Vegan said that straight up on the record, which I thought was surprising. Okay. <laughs> he, he said, Hey, no offense to Drake, but we've been doing two weeks worth of prep for North Dakota state. He said it straight out. So that's definitely true. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense uh, for, from their perspective. Sam Ritter, Hero Sports here uh, on is now. Okay, then who who's on upset alert then? I mean, I, I I refuse to say that North Dakota State winning in Bozeman would be an upset. I mean, Cats have the longest home winning streak in Division One football, certainly, and they were as high as number two in the polls for, you know, elongated part of this season, but NDSU's a juggernaut, so throw that one out. What else is a maybe a quote-unquote upset alert uh, for the, uh, the top seeds here? Yeah, I think you know a lot of the spreads in this one seem like they are uh, by a score. Um, I, I think Montana is a two-score favorite, maybe a three-score favorite by now. South Dakota State is a, is a multi-score favorite, uh, but all the other games seem to be you know pretty tight spreads. Yeah, uh, you know I I don't think the Vandals are going to lose, but I do think they're going to be in a tighter ball game than than, than maybe expected. Southern Illinois does play a really good defense. Um, the one I'm looking at, uh, I think, like I said, Youngstown State can, can probably go to Villanova and make it a really close game and potentially uh, get a win there. So that is probably the, the most likely unseeded team uh, to, to beat a seeded team if we don't look at the North Dakota State-Montana State game because, you know, the Bison and the Bobcats, I think that is a, a coin flip game. And, you know, the, the Bison are turning upward. You know, Montana State, it's, they see have, have, you know, the last we saw of Montana State obviously wasn't a very positive look, and, you know, that's all we've got we can go off of, you know, in, in the last two weeks um, as far as the momentum for Montana State. And, you know, can the Bobcats, I guess, do what they did a couple of years ago and kind of, you know, put that loss behind them and, and you know, go on a pretty decent run here? Uh, we'll see. But that is, you know, Montana State hosting North Dakota State. That is, you know, one of the, the, the juiciest sec- the juiciest second-round matchups that I can remember. Um, you get quite some time in the bracket. Uh, well, two more questions for you then. 
Uh, if Southern Illinois was to go into Moscow and win, and this is a national television game now, they just flexed it to ESPN2. I, I don't know, what would that do to just sort of the narrative around Idaho? Because I, Idaho certainly has been on the rise since Jason Eck got there, but they, they sort of fizzled down the stretch last year, and, and their playoff loss, well, I guess their whole playoff scenario, not really been able to figure out how to bid on the game and then having to go on the road and losing on the road. Uh, that well, it was an interesting deal, but then they got all this hype this year, and they certainly in certain ways lived up to the hype, but they did lose uh, two conference games, and, and they had a chance at the Big Sky title and then lost that chance, but they bounced back. Big win over Idaho State last week. So uh, how important is this game for Idaho to, to seal the deal and, and move into the court, quarterfinals? And, and, and what do you think that just does for the, the narrative around the, uh, the program as a whole? Yeah, I think it's huge uh, for the Vandals. You know, they, they have so much momentum uh, right now. You know, from a, from a fan base perspective, they are they're obviously you know new to the FCS playoffs, and so you know the Vandals losing in the second round probably won't have the, the type of uproar of of North Dakota State losing in the second round or Montana State losing you know in the second round. But uh, you know, but I still think there would be you know a lot of disappointment there uh, for the Vandals. They are situated to make a pretty good run. Um, I even think Idaho. Winning this week, but losing next week to probably Albany, you know, in the quarterfinals. If that loss did happen, I think even that would be a pretty disappoint, a pretty disappointing finish uh, to the season. Just with, um, you know, there have been swings of momentum for Idaho, but uh, you know they have been as high as you know being a top three team in the FCS. They have the number four seed. They have the more favorable side of the bracket. Uh, I think anything short of, of a semifinal appearance, when it's all said and done, would, would be pretty disappointing for for Idaho. I, I think they are built to to make it to the semifinals, and if they don't do that, um, you know, it's they, I, I don't, it's not going to be a terrible narrative about Idaho in, in the off season, but sure. it will make you you know wonder, you know, do they deserve to be a top five team going into the following season? I totally agree, and uh, I mean, on one hand, it'd be fuel for the fire because I think that they would use it as motivation internally, but I also agree. I think they need to. They need to figure out a way to at least win this one, get in the quarters, and then I think you're playing with a little house money. If you make it to the semis, great. Uh, you know, excellent uh, year two under Jason Eck. Sam Herder, Hero Sports. Okay, last question. It's the same question. It's just about a different program. Same deal. Montana State, how important is this for the narrative around their program? Because I, on on this side, I think this is enormous for the Bobcats. I know it's a tough one with, uh, you know, the, uh, the Goliath of the FCS coming to town, but I just think that Montana State, in terms of just the – the momentum that their program has had and the success that they've had under Brett Vegan to hit a wall and lose two straight in what was a promising season. For it to still be a promising season, they got to get it done on Saturday, I think. What do you think? Yeah, I think the the swings in, in the narrative about both of these programs really uh, is so massive here because I do think whoever wins this game uh, is either going to go to South Dakota and get a win or potentially host uh, you know, Sac State and get a win there. So, you know, winning here uh, is, is, you know, potentially means you can advance to the semifinals. You know, losing here is, you know, obviously losing in the second round. And, you know, that's just a, a place that uh, neither Montana State or North Dakota State, who I believe, you know, North Dakota State was preseason number two. Montana State was preseason number three. You know, the Bobcats were as high as number two uh, at, for several weeks uh, this season. Uh, for either of them to lose um, in the second round is going to create uh, a, a lot of question marks, um, you know, whether it be about, you know, the, the players, whether it be about the coaches, the coordinators, assistants, recruiting, you know, you name it, there's going to be a lot of questions for forever uh, loses this game. And I think, you know, Montana State can, it, I know losing to the Grizz is always bad, but if you beat North Dakota State, then you beat South Dakota, and then you return to the semifinals, then you yep. get another chance, you know, at, at Montana. Uh, if you lose this game, 
you you, lo- you you end the season on a two game losing streak. That that loss to Montana probably looms, you know, even worse than than, than what it already was. Uh, you, you lose early on, you know, in the playoff bracket, and you're kind of you're going from a, a preseason expectations of you know Montana State could be in the, on a collision course with South Coast State and Frisco to uh, all of a sudden wondering, you know, where the the tra- trajectory uh, of the program is going to go if Montana State is to lose here in, in the second round. Sam Herter, Hero Sports. You can find all his great stuff at HeroSports.com. You can also follow him on Twitter. And you can also find him uh, each Wednesday during the 4 o'clock hour right here on Nuanas Now. Sam, best of luck with the week, and uh, we'll catch up with you next week. Thanks for being here, man. Okay, sounds good. Thank you for having me. Fun stuff. Love talking bracketology, especially now that we actually have the bracket. Projecting the bracket is one thing Sam's great at, but breaking actually down the matchups is always fun. So appreciate him for making some time, as always. On the note of the Cats, how do they bounce back? We talked to one of their captains, Brody Greeby, MSU junior, big, all big sky defensive end, joins us next. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice. And that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days. And that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultelaw.com. One, two, three. One is now on ESPN Radio. If you're listening right now, text us. Who's singing that song? Any text is going to enter you in to win some wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill we're going to do music trivia for the next couple segments here, so you'll have another chance at another song before this first hour here on Nuanas Now is over. But if you know who's singing that song, text us right now, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. Today's playlist is brought to you by 1993. Yes, the year. That's the last time the Delaware Blue Hens were in Missoula to take on the Montana Grizzlies. They're coming back uh, on Saturday, so uh, I was just doing a bunch of prep, making the outline for the show last night, needed some music to listen to. I was like, huh, I wonder what the top hits were in 1993. Well, it's actually hilarious what they were. It's America was feeling real romantic and real sentimental back in 1993. Pretty much every one of the number one hits besides that song are R&B ballads, basically. So we'll play a couple more for you from 1993, throwing it back to 30 years ago as we uh, get you set for the uh, second round of the FCS playoffs here on ESPN Radio. Well, time now for our Montana State Minute, and it's a playoff edition because Montana State hosts North Dakota State on Saturday in Bozeman, one of the premier matchups in all of college football, but particularly the FCS playoffs this weekend. We're joined now by junior captain and first-team All-Big Sky selection Brody Greeby. Brody, thanks so much for joining us, man. First of all, congrats on the uh, the all conference stuff. What'd you think when the uh, the list came out? Um, obviously, I was pretty excited. Um, 
I was happy for the team. We had a lot of um, good picks. I was a little disappointed um, with how it shook out for the NSU D-line, which some people obviously aren't going to get on there, but um, I was hoping for a little better turnout on that. But um, overall, I thought the um, team got a lot of credit for the good players that we had in the season that we had. Well, certainly a lot of well-deserved stuff, and when you have a league this big, it's hard to to figure it all out, but I thought it was pretty darn good. One guy I wanted to ask you about, though, because I'm just doing a little senior profile on him, and uh, I was was happy to see that he he landed on the first team with you. That's Nolan Askelson, and uh, I mean, he's a great productive player, but it seems like it's even enhanced by just you know his leadership and the way he gets you guys lined up and, and all the different things he's met to the program wearing number 41. So uh, what did you think we saw Nolan's name on the list? And what sort of things do you think he brings to your defense? Uh, I was super excited for Nolan. Um, he deserves it. He's been um, a great player, a great leader for this uh, defense here. And, uh, I mean, every play he's uh, giving call-outs to us, um, getting everybody aligned. Uh, getting everybody ready to go, calling out plays, and overall just flying around. Uh, you know, he had that injury last year, which unfortunate is unfortunate, but um, attacked his um, PT all spring, all summer long, and uh, pushed himself to get back, and um, I don't think anybody deserves it more than him. And he's a great leader on this team. Gets everybody going. And, uh, yeah, I'm super excited for him. Pretty Greeby here on Nuwana's Now ESPN Radio. Uh, so just take us through these last two weeks that are obviously a, a disappointing loss uh, in Missoula. I appreciate you doing the press conference, by the way. Man, I didn't get to tell you that. I know that's a it's a hard thing to do, but uh, we appreciate the, the feedback on that. But, um, I mean, just take us through it, just what the last couple weeks have been like. What did you guys accomplish on the bye week? How's it been mentally kind of readjusting and getting ready for the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, we all know how the last game went. It wasn't how we wanted it to go. Um, but we got, we watched them and we flushed it. That's kind of our deal. We got 24 hours um, to watch it and um, be pissed off about it. And then we got to flush down the drain and then get ready to go. Um, so that was kind of our deal this last week. Uh, get some reps, some good on good reps against our O-line. Um is we got one of the best lines in the country. So uh, getting some live reps and good reps against our O-line for our D-line, our linebackers practicing fits and stuff like that, and some physical play uh, was one of the main focuses um, during the during the bye week. Um, get healed up, and besides that, just uh, get some mental work in and watch some film on the bison. Well, when it comes to the Bison, it's it's uh, the FCS playoffs is always fascinating and fun for me because we learn about all these other teams. Like I was watching all the games on Saturday, and uh, you know I'm googling, well, where's Duquesne? You know, what's Austin P all about? You know, where where are some of these teams located at? What's Lafayette? You know, all these different deals. Learning about Delaware and all these teams. There's not much learning to do about North Dakota State. We all know exactly what they're all about. You know, we've written about them and talked about them for years and years. They always are somehow on the path or in the way of, of the Montana schools every year. So, I mean, I, I know you've had some battles with NDSU already. So when you saw that name pop up on the, the screen, what do you think of the draw? I was excited. Um, for me, I think in a lot of this team, um, a lot of the older guys at least, we've we've had some run-ins with these guys. And um, for us, uh, we got a chip on our shoulder, I think. 
we we were excited. I was excited about the draw. I know a lot of um, older guys were excited about the draw, and maybe we, it's not the best draw um, in the second round, but that's fine with us. Um, we got a good uh, wake up call this last week, and we're ready to go, and we're excited to move forward. And we have some bad blood with these guys in eighteen, nineteen, twenty one. And I just think about some of the uh, guys that graduated here that would give anything to go back on the football field and have this opportunity to play this team that we get to play this weekend. Well, sometimes there's this element of the unknown or like a mystery with these opponents that maybe you aren't familiar with. The fact that you are, I mean, does that make prep easier? Does that make your confidence higher? What, what is it like just playing a familiar face? Um, I think you don't have to do, I mean, we kind of know what they're about is the main thing, I guess you could say. Um, coach Beegan coached there, obviously. Coach Garza um, coached there as well. Um, it hasn't changed a whole lot from when they were there. Uh, they pride themselves in being a physical team that want to run you over, and uh, we know that's what we're going to have to stop. So we know um, what their values are and what they want to what they want to accomplish. So. Brody Gruby here on Nuwana's Now ESPN Radio. He's a first-team All-Big Sky defensive end for the Montana State Bobcats. Six-seeded Cats host North Dakota State on Saturday. Uh, you guys have had so much great success the last couple years. I know you had huge goals coming into this year, and those are still out in front of you. you know, as high as number two in the country took South Dakota State down the wire. So um, how do you go about just kind of focusing on that and realizing, hey, we still are one of the best teams in the country? Because I think you guys are. I think you definitely have a chance to make a run all the way to Frisco if, if things fall your way. So, I mean, how do you sort of uh, encompass that confidence moving forward? Yeah, the regular season didn't end the way we wanted it to. Um, but we've been saying all week, like, this is a new season. And it doesn't matter um, what happened in the regular season for anybody anymore. Uh, everybody's... Um, zero and zero going into the week, and you got to win the week to move on. Um, so we're taking it one week at a time and uh, doing whatever we can to um, be prepared for the team every week. And this week it's Bison, so we're excited to play them and been preparing like crazy. When it comes to the preparation, uh, watching North Dakota State, a lot of it looks very similar to what we've seen over the you know the last five years for you guys in this time playing them, but also even the last 10, 12, 13 years, I mean, still disciplined and tough and, and big on the lines and all that. But it seems like schematically, offensively, they're doing a little bit different stuff. seems like they're spreading the ball around a little bit more. Uh, they got multiple quarterbacks that they play, and both of them are kind of good in the in the quarterback run game. So uh, what have you seen? Uh, maybe how does this team look similar, and how does it look different from uh, the, the past NDSU teams you guys have faced? Uh, kind of like I said before, they, they want to be physical. They want to um, run power. They want to run inside zone. They want to run the ball downhill, uh, get four or five yards of run, and um, try to get you in third and short and just keep moving the ball down the field. Um, but they have, unlike seasons before, um, they've got more behind this season. So uh, that's kinda, I think that's what you're referring to. They've had to... Um, spread the ball a little bit just because they have to pass the ball when they're down in some of these games. Um, but I think at their core, um, they're a typical NDSU team that wants to be physical and run the ball as much as they can. 
When it just comes to being back at home, I know the win streak's been something you guys have talked about a lot, but, I mean, obviously you take great pride in being at home, and they have not had to go on the road since way back in the Daenerys McGee and Cody Kirk days. In 2010 was the last time they played a, a road playoff game, so they're not really used to playing outside. They're really not used to playing in you know Bobcat Stadium. So what sort of advantage can that be for you guys? Bobcat Stadium, and we've had to go to the Bison um, or in Frisco the last times we played them, so... Uh, we think that any team that comes in here, we have a great shot to beat in Bobcat Stadium. And uh, the crowd and the community being here, uh, supporting us, getting loud on um, when we're out there on defense, that affects the offense. And uh, especially, I'm thinking about like third downs for me, um, getting them in third and long. The crowd is out there screaming like crazy and nobody can hear anything. That affects the O-line getting off the ball. Um, making it easier to rush quarterback if um, the offensive tackle is behind the snap count. He's Brody Greeby, Montana State Junior Defensive End, Bobcats host North Dakota State on Saturday. Brody, thanks for being here, man. Best of luck. Appreciate it. Have a good one. There you go, Brody Greeby. Here on Nuanas Now, let's talk some Grizz hockey on the other side. Plus, stay tuned because more music trivia means more opportunities for you to win some wings. 406-888-1029. Get that number ready. When we come back from the next break, tell me what song we're listening to, and uh, you'll be entered in to win a dozen wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. That's next. Keep it right here. ESPN Radio. At Jewelry Design Center, they can make anything you desire. We have branded jewelry that you'll see across the world and the country and you have full access to our full manufacturing shop you can look in the case you don't have to start out designing something you can see anything that we have in the case that customize it for your personal experience jewelry design center now open in missoula at 2501 brook street across from the montana club jewelry design center your jeweler for life ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I'm teeing it up for you guys. I'm going to need song, name, and artist on this one. Our uh, music trivia to help you win some wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill here on Nuanas Now. Text it, 406-888-1029. Who sings that song and what's it called? We're going through the number one hits of 1993 because for the first time since 1993, Delaware is in Missoula to take on the Montana Grizzlies. So uh, just a little blast from the past when it comes to the playlist here today. Who sings it and what's it called? Number one hits from 1993. Text us 406-888-1029. You'll be entered in to win a dozen wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. I'm Coulter Nuanas. We're coming to you through the ESPN MT studio here uh, at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Missoula Broadcasting, locally owned and operated for more than 15 years. I'm happy to say so. Uh, if you're watching on TV, if you saw me shaking somebody's hand, that's because Scott Guernsey just rolled in. Former Grizz wide receiver, uh, record setter during his career for the Grizzlies in the uh, early 1990s, and he was on that 93 Grizz team that played Delaware in the first round of the 93 playoffs. So uh, he will join us here for our ESPN roundtable coming up here in, I don't know, just about uh, 10 minutes. But before we do that, time for a little Grizz hockey action. The Grizz hockey team has uh, turned a corner, certainly. They had a four-game losing streak, 
down the, uh, d- 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 10 to October, but then since then they've won four out of five, including three in a row, and had a good weekend uh, this last weekend. So we'll uh, put Jeff Safford on the mic. We're efforting uh, Mike Anderson, the uh, head coach of the Grizz Hockey team. But either way, I mean, Jeff Safford is the voice of Grizz Hockey, so uh, who better to talk about the Grizz than the guy that's on the mic all the time? So, uh, Jeff, I mean, just start with this last stretch. I mean, the Grizz had to play four games in four days. They lost 6-1 to Northern Arizona, but then beat Colorado State 4-2, beat Cal State Northridge 4-1, and beat Grand Canyon 5-4. So um, and what were the turning points? How did, how did you think the Grizz got, got back on the winning side? Well, I think um, you alluded to it, how they ended that Beehive Invitational out there in Utah, playing four games in as many days and winning their last three, I think, in a row was big in terms of building momentum, especially that last win against Grand Canyon on a Sunday morning. If you're listening with us here on ESPN Radio, I called it the brunch battle. It was a (laughs) 9 a.m. start. It was a tough game, A, just to get up that early, and B, they're playing a team that was playing with some confidence, had just knocked off, at that point, the undefeated Montana State Bobcats Mm. to give them their first loss. So they come back and get a win against the Antelopes. calling them the Jackalopes a few times, thinking about Pioneer League Baseball. (laughs) But the Antelopes of Grand Canyon. So that was a big win there. And just being able to win three in as many days, especially after they lost NAU, their first game was a game in which they were... Winning going into the third period, there was a a nasty penalty with Max Toila, one of their top goal scorers, getting sent into the boards. Player for the Lumberjacks that sent Toila into the boards was thrown out of the game, but NAU was able to get a couple of goals late and steal one for Montana. So a deflating loss, but they weren't able to let that affect them, and they kept on rolling, won three in a row after that. Well, very good. What's Grand Canyon's situation like? Because I know that there's some teams, this is interesting to sort of hash out because in broad premise, the Grizz hockey team is a quote-unquote club sport. But I think that that, people associate club with with non-competitive. In the wide world of college hockey, there's only, I don't know, probably 40 or 50 like D1 level, like fully funded hockey programs. So this D2 level that they play at, it is fully funded. They're just raising their own money. But, I mean, the Grizz hockey team has a, a significant budget. It has a budget that's on par with other mid-major uh, varsity sports that are offered at universities. But I know that there's some teams they play, like University of Providence, that it's a private school. So all those guys are on scholarship, even though they're playing like in this club level. Is is that similar to what we got going with Grand Canyon? Because I know they have a little bit of – Grand Canyon's a different university, let's just say that. I mean, you could see it with Grand Canyon, them walking in there with all the snazzy gear, so to speak. And, and yeah, you alluded to it. There's just a lot of good level of hockey in the ACHA and a lot of programs that take it seriously. I mean, you look at the Grizz in the month of November and just thinking about the the amount of travel that they did going to Utah twice and then going to Denver in between that as well. I mean, just that level of to me, just being committed to the sport, committed to the team, taking that much time out of your schedule to play the game of hockey, to me, that's special. Jeff Safford joining us here on Nuanas Now uh, on ESPN Radio. And it sounds like we got Mike Anderson, the head coach of the Grizz hockey team now here, uh, talking all things Grizz hockey. By the way, keep those music trivia answers coming in, 406-888-1029. Got a basket of wings for you from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Better, No better place to... 
get your pregame grub on or you know maybe have a beer or two before the Grizz Hockey Games, and they're back at home this weekend uh, against Eastern Washington. Uh, Friday night, puck drops at 8.30, and uh, same thing with Saturday. So, uh, Coach Anderson, thanks for being with us, man. Just give us a little preview on what we can expect this weekend. What's uh, what's going on with Eastern Washington coming to town? Uh, Eastern Washington's a lot better team than they were last year and I think at the beginning of this season. So we're expecting a good challenge from them. They've they've had a, a very strong season uh, compared to the last two years. They've won a, a lot more games. Their same record as us. Actually, I think they're sitting at 11-10. So we're expecting a good challenge from them and they're excited to be back playing at home after a month or so here on the road and a lot of, a lot of travel for us. So we're excited to be home. Yeah, Jeff just sort of dialogued uh, the challenges of the travel. In your eyes, what do you think you guys learned from it? Also, how do you think you grew from it? Because certainly a, a difficult stretch for you uh, uh, this last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think it's, it presents a good challenge to our group as far as uh, balancing um, school and for the coaches' work with all the travel. Uh, you know, it's only our third year, and this is definitely the most extensive travel we've had in the, in the three seasons we've been around. So it's definitely been a learning process. It's the best part about it is it's it's a four star guys and these crucibles of of interaction that really just allows for a lot more close bonding. You could tell, you know, a couple months ago we had a lot of new guys. There's a bit of a a sense that you know how is this all going to work? And I think by this point of the year, there's just a lot of really strong relationships in the room, and it's because we've been we've been on the road together. We've been stuck on the side of the highway together. We've been in in weird <laughs> hotels. Know. We, you know, we've we've been all over Utah. We've been all over Colorado. Like we've we've been to places together in, in really tight quarters and, and in strange situations, and that that really breeds a sense of camaraderie and, and togetherness that uh, has definitely helped us uh, become more of a team. Friday night's game against Eastern Washington. It's also the teddy bear toss game. So if you bring a stuffed animal, you can throw it on the ice after the Grizz score their first goal, and all those stuffed animals will be donated to the Watson Children's Shelter. We partner with the Watson Children's Shelter uh, all year long, particularly when they have their big uh, tennis pro-am that raises a bunch of money for a really good cause. There's another thing you can do. Just bring a teddy bear, some sort of stuffy to the game. And when the Grizz score a goal, boom, you throw it on the ice, and great donation for the kids. So it should be fun down there uh, at the Glacier Ice Rink. Mike Anderson, head coach on Grizz Hockey, joined us. Okay, so what do you want to say out of your team this week? And then what are some of the the goals? What will you be watching for uh, with Eastern Washington in town? You know, we came off a a really strong weekend in Utah where we're finally getting rewarded for for good habits and and good play. And it hasn't been the case all year. It was about with getting good bounces and timely scoring. And, and we saw in our last game against Grand Canyon, who was who just got done beating MSU uh, for their first loss of the season the night before, and we beat them. And we beat them, we beat them uh, you know, fair and square with good goals and, and with good defense and good structure to, our, to everything that we were doing. So to see the guys get rewarded was really good, and now we're just hoping that we continue to do those little things well and understand that, you know, it's going to, go up and down and how much we're getting rewarded for it, but that there is light at the end of the tunnel and that uh, this is how you play winning strong hockey and, and just keep doing those things. So uh, pretty excited to see how we do against this team and, and then coming into the last couple of weeks of the first half. Well, go check the Grizz out this weekend. Uh, they will, they're at home uh, for the, uh, the last time here. Uh, before the new year. So they got this uh, doubleheader against Eastern Washington Friday and Saturday night, 8.30, puck drops. And then uh, December 8th uh, 
at Montana State, December 9th at Montana State, and then uh, winter break all the way until January, the Grizz hockey team will be off. So last chance to catch them for we, this first we, half. We, go ahead. You play Missoula uh, that Saturday next weekend. Oh, there you go. Uh, you got one excuse more me. home game. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah, there's the home. I always oh, forget the, uh, the home and away. Okay, so. Home and home, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Love it. Okay, cool. So uh, you got a couple more chances. That's all to say, though. Go watch them this weekend. It'll be a fun uh, weekend down there at Glacier Ice Rink. Mike, thanks for joining us, man. Best of luck on Saturday, on Friday and Saturday. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Colter. We'll see you. Our one of the books, hour two coming at you. How about some memories from actually one of the most devastating losses in the early rise of Grizz football, but also maybe what it did for the program moving forward. Scott Guernsey, a Grizz great wide receiver and a former radio personality as well. He'll be in studio for our ESPN roundtable. That's next. Keep it right here. You want us now, ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 